need you to pray for me. I need you to care for me. I need you to want me to win. I need to know where I'm headed, cause I know where I've been. Flows, bone crushes, nothing. I come up with something, come through the strip front, stunt. It's something you want. 745 phone spinners, haters hate that I'm winning. Man, I've been hot from the beginning. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 120 of All In With Kevin. I am your host, Kevin Lewis, and today's episode I'm going to speak about Kyrie Irving's net tenure coming to an abrupt end, um, heavy on sarcasm there, and uh, a little, uh, a few thoughts about the Super Bowl, nothing too crazy. Um, so Kyrie Irving was traded, this is being recorded on Monday morning, 10.30 a.m., he was traded yesterday to the to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, the the Nets received Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a twenty twenty seven second round pick, a twenty twenty nine first round pick, on uh, an unprotected twenty twenty nine first round pick, and a twenty twenty nine second round pick. And the the Mavericks received Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris. Um, from a basketball perspective. I don't. This might be one of them. Like you, you're you're in a better spot because the sum of the parts might fit better. And also, like, I don't think the Nets are done. Like they just got picks they could move. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie's a movable player. His contract is not too bad, and he's you know he's a pretty useful combo guard. Uh, I I, f- I feel like they're probably going to keep DFS. He's a good three and D kind of player. Um, yeah. I, it, it, did the Nets give up the best player in this trade? Indisputably. Would I be surprised if this ended up with the Nets being a better team with regards to some of the parts type of stuff? No. The The problem kind of is you're, you're becoming somewhat of a heliocentric offense, uh, a heliocentric unit um, geared around a 30, what, 34-year-old wing with prior leg issues, that's not exactly ideal. Like they need to figure out somebody because Ben Simmons doesn't look like doesn't look like that's it right now. It might never be again. They gotta figure out on that end, like who what what are we gonna do to alleviate some of the pressure off of KD's shoulders and well, legs. They need to figure that out. But um for for the Mavericks I get why they did it because in the NBA the Western Conference is wide open especially you 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 had the the information the news come down that Steph Curry might be missing a while with with leg issues um the Western Conference is wide open there's no clear dominant team in the West so if you get to the playoffs and you get hot that that might lead to a finals appearance for example or if you get you you get enough talent around Luka Doncic who might be who might be the best non-Jokic player in the conference. Probably is the best non-Jokic player in the conference. You get enough talent around that you can make a deep playoff run in a Western Conference that, as of right now, is not very intimidating. It's not. There's nobody in the Western Conference you're supposed to look like, look at like, man, I'm scared of those dudes. Not us. Not a single team. The Nuggets are really good. Okay, the Grizzlies are really good. Is anybody scared of those teams? No, you shouldn't be. And so I I understand why you would take that kind of swing. And I haven't looked into the cap stuff yet, so I don't really know 
what's what on that front. But technically, if they if they for some reason Kyrie is just like I don't want to resign you, or the Mavericks are just like we don't want to resign you for whatever the reasons, a lot of things can change between now and uh, June. So let, let let's say he does walk. I'm pretty sure they they would have. They would have gained cap space, like between the whole Kyrie thing and and getting rid of two longer term contracts. I'm pretty sure they they would have enough cap space to do something meaningful in the offseason. Maybe if they got rid of one more guy, they could do it. So I understand why the Mavericks did the trade, and and quite frankly, Kyrie can play off the ball well enough that Luca and Kyrie shouldn't have a whole lot of issues. Number one, and number two, they could stagger them. Like we've been hearing how the Mavericks don't have a secondary creator all year. That when Luca when Luca's off the floor, it becomes messy because they don't have anybody who can create for anybody. All right, well you have Kyrie Irving, one of the best shot creators in the sport. Um, his playmaking kind of lags behind. Well, his playmaking for other people kind of lags behind, but at the bare minimum, he can create shots for other people at a competent level, and he and he can create shots for himself better than most. So, from that perspective, I get it. Um, ultimately, if this is the last trade that the Mavericks make, or the last significant trade the Mavericks make, they're kind of a middle of the pack Western Conference team, maybe slightly above. Because at the end of the day, man, you can score all you want. They have nobody who could defend. That's the issue. If they trade for a win, because they just traded their best wing defender. If they trade for a wing defender or two, we're having a different conversation about the Mavericks. Basically, in a typical year, I'd I'd be way more down on this trade for the Mavericks. But in this particular year where we don't know shit about shit and the Western Conference is basically wide the fuck open, I get exactly why the Mavericks did the trade. And... I don't know if their plan is to keep him long-term or they just want to go for it today. Because the thing about keeping him long-term is, as Kyrie has shown at basically every stop, he's unreliable. Now, the the COVID year, the pandemic, nobody could have predicted, that, predicted this happening. But Kyrie has shown... Kyrie has now... Forces we had a three different stops. Now we can say whatever we want about the Nets. I don't think anybody was really quote unquote wrong here. If he didn't want to be there long term, if he wanted to be there long term, and they and they weren't treating him as such, I understand why he why he lit why why he uh got a, got himself up out of there. I understand why he lit it on fire. The Nets not wanting to fully guarantee two hundred plus million dollars to a guy who is as big a headache as there is in the entire sport and as and is as unreliable as anybody in the entire sport is perfectly fucking reasonable. I don't think anybody's wrong here. Kyrie wasn't getting what he wanted contract-wise from these dudes. So he's like, okay, send me somewhere else where, where they might. Because ultimately, look, I don't know if the Mavericks are going to give that man three, four fully guaranteed years. But if the Nets are not, and they prove that they're not willing to at every turn... That could affect how much he makes in the summer, but uh, because they the the Nets seem like the type of organization, or at least Joe Sy seemed like the type of guy who would actively try and spike Kyrie Irving in the summer. So for him to get 
uh, the maximum that he could get, even as unlikely as that may or may not be, they would they would have had to complete a sign and trade with somebody. And I could see them being petty enough to be to tell him no. And if that's the case, I could see exactly why Kyrie asked out of town. Now, um, to focus more on his Nets tenure, uh, listen, man, the the idea that Kevin Durant is some kind of victim here. Nobody gets treated, no superstar slash top 15 player ever gets treated with the kid gloves that Kevin Durant gets treated with from a public perception perspective. And I've said this a million times. Kevin Durant um, took his talents to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie Irving. Again, this is after Kyrie Irving alienated two different teams in the Eastern Conference on a very public level. This is not new information. This is not hidden information. And Kevin Durant knows Kyrie Irving better than anybody. And we've seen this. We've seen that Kyrie is unreliable. He might be... Am I saying Kyrie is a bad person? No. Am I saying he's a bad friend? No. Kevin Durant knows this more than anybody. Kevin Durant knows him more than anybody. And still, yet, hitched his basketball career to the idea that him and Kyrie Irving could be the dynamic duo that wins championships. And then the Nets enabled them by basically letting them run amok. And it's it's one players shouldn't run your teams anyway. Players shouldn't have that much power because quite frankly, a lot of players, and this is gonna sound wild coming from somebody who just talks about the game. I, I've never played it. A lot of players don't know what it takes to to um, don't know what it takes to put a winning team around them. Hence why a lot of great players make bad GMs. A lot of great players don't know what it takes. Hence why the best organizations you see are the organizations that tell the players, hey, you worry about playing. Yes, we respect your input and we'll take it at face value. But we're not going to let you make we're not going to let you influence us in that way on everything we do. The best organizations are are run like that, where you're, you're telling the players to worry about playing and we will worry about managing. So, I mean, they gave Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving all that power. Um, again, Kevin Durant has never has never won anything without, you know, the 73-win Warriors behind him, basically. Never won anything without Steph Curry, who's a top 10 player of all time, um, behind. And the lead, and the actual real leader of the Golden State organization. He's never... You have never won anything because you have Kevin Durant. Never. It's very nice to have him, obviously. He's a great player, Obviously. But giving that kind of power to a guy who's never who, who who has never been the focal point of winning a title is kind of weird to me. Honestly, it's strange. And this idea that he's a victim is just nobody else who is that good and as visible as KD is and complains as much as KD is and as KD does and who demanded a trade would get this kind of sympathy because the homeboy that he knew was unreliable has been doing unreliable shit for now three years. Bruh, if, if if I have a, a homeboy who's loud and rambunctious, I love him to death, but that's what he is. He gets rowdy. He starts fights. And I bring him to some civilized gathering, and he starts fights, and he gets everybody kicked out, and I can't come back to that place ever again. I can't sit there and be like, none of this is my fault. I brought him there. Like, I brought him there. I followed him there. I was there with him. Knowing good and fucking well, this wasn't a great idea because of who he is and the type of place I'm taking him to. But yet, 
Kevin Durant does this, and now we're supposed to feel bad for him because the unreliable homie that we all knew was fucking unreliable in the first place started doing unreliable shit. That part of it makes no fucking sense to me. But he picked the wrong guy. The Nets picked the wrong guy. I mean, granted, Kyrie was just part of the package deal. It was like, all right, if we're gonna if you're gonna sign me, you're gonna sign Kyrie Irving, and that that's just all there is to it. And they chose to do it. Ultimately, it failed. The Nets won one playoff series in this era, and they had and they've had what three players demand trades in the last calendar year. Um, it, it's it's weird times in Brooklyn, and I still don't think they're in bad shape. Roster wise, going forward, I don't think they're in bad shape, but. The, it's so I can't even like make fun of Nets fan. Like the, I'll let the Knicks fans do it because Knicks fans have a lot of guff, and they're talking a lot of talk about the Nets because oh they're not as relevant as us and they only won one playoff series in this time frame and the KD Kyrie thing turned out to be a failure. But I mean the Nets are still in better shape than the Knicks are, roster wise they have a better record, and again they have Kevin Durant the Knicks do not. Jalen Brunson's nice. Julius Randle, not a fan, having a nice year, blah, blah, blah. You don't have Kevin Durant on your team. The Nets are in better shape. So all these jokes, it's like, I, I get them. They're a little bit too loud given the fact that the Knicks are A, in worse shape, and B, in their banner year, like three games over 500. It's a little weird to me. I'm not saying not to make jokes. I'm not trying to police nobody's jokes. Enjoy yourself. Being that loud as a fan of the Knicks is odd to me, given what's actually transpired in that time frame since KD and Kyrie actually signed with the Nets all the way up to now. The Nets have actually the Nets have accomplished more than the Knicks have, even with even saying all of that. And the Nets are, are then the the long term health of the franchise. The Nets are are likely in better shape anyway. So it's a little strange. But from a basketball perspective, the Nets gave up the best player. In the long run, they might be better off for it. And, yo, they finally got rid of the headache. Because I don't think they ever actually wanted to sign Kyrie Irving in the first place. Because, again, we have his career on file. We've seen this stuff already. They signed him because that's the price of doing business with Kevin Durant. And, you know, they let Kevin Durant run amok and and do whatever. And they ran everything past him. Even though, you know, oh, uh, I feel bad for him. You know, he just wants to play ball and, you know... Kyrie Irving uh, did him dirty as if he didn't fucking bring Kyrie with him. But um, the Nets finally got from under the headache. I don't think they ever wanted Kyrie in the first place. They tried to trade him last offseason. They they didn't like what they what they were getting. They got more today than they probably ever would than they ever would have last summer. And I, I think they're gonna be fine in the long run. Like Jock Vaughn is doing a great job. Uh, Nick Claxton has emerged as one of the better defenders in the sport. They have some shooters around. They have Seth Curry around and all of that, and they still have pieces to make another trade. I think the Nets are fine. I think I, 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 I'm I not going to go as far to say addition by subtraction. I mean subtraction by addition. Well, no, I had it right the first time. Sorry, addition, addition by subtraction because Kyrie is still Kyrie with the ball in his hands, and I understand all of that, and he was great this year as well. But... Just from a sense of relief standpoint, the Nets have to be thrilled. Like, all right, this is finally fucking over. I'm sick of this dude. Tired of him at every turn doing X, Y, Z. Doing all this bullshit. Doesn't want to fucking work. Blah, blah, blah. Like, he doesn't show up to work. He's this, that, and the third. He's a distraction. He's always saying some dumb shit, doing some dumb shit. Glad he's gone. It's over. 
good for Brooklyn. It's a new fucking beginning. And we'll see we'll, we'll see what they end up doing between now and the deadline because I think they got another move in them. I offered you $1.25 million for your company plus a three-year employment agreement at 100K per year to run the show. And I'll pay you a percentage of the profits once we hit certain hurdles that we agree to. Wait a second, before you even consider that madness, Jeff, I find this kind of thing distasteful. All right, the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is this upcoming Sunday. I can't wait to watch it. Um, two black quarterbacks playing on the biggest stage for the first time in NFL history, you know, in Black History Month and all of that. And I, uh, two, like, you, you have, for my money, the most talented quarterback ever going up against the best team in the NFL. Um, it's, it's, it's fun. Like, the whole idea of the game is fun. It, it, I can't wait to watch Mahomes and them, and the Eagles are a really fun watch too. Like granted, in the playoffs, they've been beating the life out of teams, so there hasn't really been a whole lot of fun there. But the Eagles are an entertaining watch too, especially when their offense is clicking because you can't do nothing with them. Like their offensive line is amazing, their run game is amazing, They're, and they have two of like the top fifteen or so wide receivers in the sport. So you can't do nothing with them when they're rolling. You can't do nothing with them. It's it's fun to watch. Um, I think the Eagles are a markedly better team. And I think their offense presents issues for everybody, let alone a team that is kind of mid on defense, averagey, if you will, if you want to call it. Um, the The Chiefs defense played well against the Bengals. I think a big part of that is uh, they matched up well with them. Like the Bengals offensive line is what it is. And the Chiefs do get pressure on the, on the quarterback pretty well. Now, Against the Eagles, where against the Eagles, where I assume, obviously, that Jalen Hurts going to have more time than Joe Burrow did, and there's no clear standout quality besides pass rushers on that team going up against arguably the best line in the sport. It spells a bad matchup all over the place. Steve Spagnuolo has put together some really good game plans in the past. He has a good grasp of defense as a whole, even if the Chiefs' defense is kind of not that talented, but. It, it, it it's a tough it's a tough ask to 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 ask that defense being uh having the talent that they have or don't have depending on your perspective to run up against the most talented offense in the league arguably with the best offensive line in the league so it's a tough it's a tough sell it's a tough ask um i think the eagles are going to win the game my prediction i guess let's say 30 to 27 I think that's going to be my prediction for the game. I think it's 30 to 27. Uh I think the Eagles are just better. The score being what it is, it's it's the Super Bowl. We, I don't expect a blowout. And it's showing a lot of respect to just how good Patrick Mahomes is cuz he's doing this without much of a wide receiver core. Yes, Travis Kelsey is amazing, understood. There isn't much beside him, besides him. And their defense is eh. So it's a lot of respect to Patrick Mahomes to predict a game that close between two teams. I think there's a pretty noticeable gap between them talent wise. So, hey man, I think it's going to be a good football game. I think it's going to come down to the final minutes. Uh, I am personally rooting for Mahomes to win. Um, 
because I love Mahomes, one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, probably my favorite quarterback of all time. Um, yeah, and and I, for agenda reasons, I want him to get two in what three years, four years, whatever it's been now. Yeah, two and four years, and so I could so I could start preaching the good word even more aggressively about one Patrick Mahomes. So that's where my rooting interests lie. I think they're gonna lose though, but we'll see in the end. And I hope everybody enjoys Super Bowl Sunday as much as I think I will. And hopefully we, we get a really good game. And on that note, I'd like to implore you to listen to the Middle Initial Podcast with myself, Andrew L. Case, and Jude A. Jackson as we discuss current sports topics. Uh, subscribe to the Underdog Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, they have a lot of good content. I'll, I hopefully will be back for, for baseball stuff soon, and I'll be hopefully be back for football in the, uh, football stuff in the fall. In the meantime, just subscribe to them. They they have a lot of good stuff. Uh, if you like sports at all, they have something for you. So subscribe, you know, hit the like button on, on the shows and all of that. And and that's about it, man. Um, have fun watching the Super Bowl, and I will see you when I see you. Yeah.